Well, happy uh, spring or spring break. I believe spring has officially sprung. It's wonderful to see God's creation and everything come to life and uh, the beauty just manifested around us. Well, as I was enjoying this uh, weather this past week, I was reminded of a, a time of uh, just about 10 months in here, uh, here in Salina as a, as a pastor. And at, that, at this time, at that time, we uh, had a, a great little softball team that uh, was part of a league. And uh, I was honestly thinking to myself, this would be fun to be able to just play and, and uh, to play a little ball. And, uh, but I also confess that I, I kind of had a little hidden agenda. See, as a pastor, sometimes our, our greatest strength is words and not brawn. And so I thought this would be my opportunity to, to prove that uh, I had some brawn. And uh, so that was a, a man's man, not just a, a man of the cloth, as some say. And uh, so uh, anyways, I played, base, I played some baseball when I was younger. I knew what I was doing. I, was, I knew, you know, what I was getting myself into. And so I showed up at the field and there... Uh, um, you know, the team's all assembled. They've been playing for a little bit. And so I asked to, to get in and so forth. And it, I think they were a little hesitant, thinking, as pastor, can he really play, you know? And so anyways, uh, so they finally, they put me in. They put me in left field. They didn't put me in, like, you know, first base. Of course not. You know, they're going to put me in. <laughs> they're going to put me in left field. So I, I get out in left field, and, I'm, and, you know, one out had gone and finally, my, my moment to shine came. So the ball came. It's a nice pop fly into left field. Uh, I see it coming. I knew it was going to drop short, so I, I get underneath it. I scoop it up, and the play's at second. So I pick up the ball, and I, I'm going to throw it as hard as I can to the second base. And all of a sudden, because of a previous injury, I realized that my arm gave out. And instead of the ball going to the second baseman, it went about halfway there and then dribbled about, you know, another couple of feet. And then the, the second baseman actually had to come off the base and, and run up and get the ball. I, I, I threw it as far as my six-year-old daughter probably could have. And so I was completely humiliated. And there's nothing you can say afterwards. Oh, my arm hurt. Yeah, whatever nothing you can recover from that. Well, I realized at the worst possible moment that I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't have the strength. I didn't have the power to get the job done. I didn't have what it took. Well, in this life, uh, we, we want what it takes, the, the strength and, and the faith to succeed. We want to be able to hold our own with, to withstand the, the waves and demands this life tends to give us. We want to be strong. But where do we find that power, even power in difficult times? Well, Robbie Collins, a gentleman who read, read Scripture just a minute ago, and I got a chance to, to ask a few people on the street in Salina, where do they find strength? in life's problems. So, uh, because it really is a question that we all ask. 
So let's look at a few of their responses. I believe it in something. Well, from my family, my friends, and God. I think through uh, just being engaged with the community and engaged with things around it. From other people. In my faith. I think that's what does it for me is if I didn't if I didn't have that I didn't have Jesus in my life I think I I don't know what I would do me I like to on the soccer field I guess that's where I find straight like with my parents something bring me up usually spiritually I I find strength in art I don't know might not have been able to hear all of them from art to, to other people to community uh, to, um, to faith in God as you saw uh, one who's uh, not sure yet but where and what do we find strength it's an honest question to ask well as we continue in our book in Hebrews that we're going through, uh, as we discover the, the truth that it's truly all about Jesus, today we're going to discover where we find our power. And that is in and through the Word. As we talk about words, I want you to know that there is power in words. My 19-month-old uh, uh, daughter Charlotte. She um, she doesn't say much yet. She's not very talkative. Um, but when she gets into something that she shouldn't, um, when she should be touching something that she shouldn't, or she's maybe hitting one of her sisters, um, I reply with a no. I respond with a no. And she knows. She knows that word. She knows to respond and not to do that because she starts to fuss and cry. But there's a power in words. There's also a power in words when you think about the, the various professions in the world. There's a power in a judge's conviction. Now everyone listening for the verdict, are they innocent or are they guilty? And that can mean their freedom or that can mean their conviction. When it comes to the military, the general's word is the soldier's command. Those under him, listen for that word and obey it. But we also can look at other professions and other roles that we or others play, from our boss to teachers to parenting or listening to our spouse. There is power in words. And when we think about Jesus' ministry as well, we think about the, the words that he spoke. There was power in his words. You know, the, the Pharisees definitely took notice of that. 
some of the words that he said when he said, be still. But more, I guess, controversial when he said, pick up your mat and walk. Or when he said, your sins are forgiven. There's a power in words. But where do you find strength? Do you find power in words? As we're going to look at this this morning, let's uh, start in a word of prayer as we pray together. Let's bow our heads. Lord God, thank you for your word. That is a lamp to our feet and it is a light to our path. God, we ask that you would just illuminate our time together today, that we would sense your presence, but God, that your word would come alive to us. Shine forth upon our path. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we look for strength and and life, uh, the first place I want to, to point out today is that we find strength in the Word. For there is power in the Word. But how do we find strength and, and power in language or speech? And before I answer that question, I, I want to give a little bit of a, a background to where we're at in the book of Hebrews and so forth. Um, to give you a little background, the, the writer of this book is addressing uh, uh, Hebrew Christians, those who are following Judaism and discovering for the first time that Jesus is the new covenant. And because they were tempted to go back to their old ways, their old ways of Judaism, but even to their old ways of sin, but also to the point of disobedience and unbelief. They were lacking faith in the supremacy of Jesus Christ. But if we are truly honest with ourselves as we think about what the Hebrews were dealing with, when we deal with hard choices or or changes or tough issues, we have a tendency really to go back to our old ways, even to our own sin. Or we look to Jesus just as the Hebrews did too and say, well, is, is he truly powerful enough? Does he know what's going on in my life? Does he know exactly the issues that I am dealing with? Just like these Hebrews, they're looking for where, we're looking for where our strength lies. Well, as we look for the strength, I I first want you to know that there is power in the Word. And before we get to our Hebrews passage, let's look together today and And John chapter 1, verse 1. I'll be on your screens as well. But it says in John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. What John is saying is everything started then with the Word, the Logos. And that this Word was and is God. So what is John saying? What is he trying to say to us? John is stating that Jesus then is the Word. And he confirms this in verse 14 when he says, The Word became flesh and dwelled among us. 
This Word became one of us, became flesh. Jesus became one of us. And he was with God at the beginning of creation. You see, John is making the point to say that Jesus, the Word, not only was, but always has been. John is telling us about Jesus' influence by turning us back to Genesis and creation. That when God spoke in the beginning, it was God's Word. It was Jesus who spoke reality into existence eight times in Genesis when God spoke piece by piece, the elements of creation of heaven and earth materialized, came into existence and only because the Word spoke. Jesus spoke. And to build on this, and and what's really cool is in verse 3, this also builds on who the Word is by saying, through Him, All things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that light was the life. That life was the light of men. So not only was uh, Jesus the co-creator, the builder, and the architect of the universe, but He continues to hold that authority and power. He is the sustainer of all things. And this Word is wisdom. And this Word is power. This Word is authority. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 affirms the Word, Jesus' power as well, for it says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. So if I could sum up all this idea and this theology and so forth, what I want you to come away with knowing is that Jesus, the Word, is power. Jesus alone holds that power and authority. Pastor Timothy Keller One said that when he was younger, a Sunday school teacher influenced his life by just a simple illustration. The teacher said, let's assume that the distance between the earth and the sun, which is 92 million miles, is the thickness of a piece of paper. And then he said, well, let's take the distance between the earth and uh, the nearest star which is which uh, which is 70 feet which is 310 miles high the diameter would be a stack of papers i'm sorry 310 miles high then he said the galaxy is just a speck of dust in the universe yet jesus holds the universe together by the power of His Word. Have you trusted in the Word, in the person of Jesus Christ, knowing first His forgiveness and grace? But do you also trust Him, knowing His sovereignty and His might? 
trusting that He knows best in our circumstances and that He now sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes on our behalf. You see, when we trust in Jesus as Savior, as Colossians reminds us, we have been given that fullness in Christ. We have a relationship with the living Word that holds all that power and authority. So you may say, well, Pastor Mark, so what? What does this mean for what I'm going through, what I'm dealing with? It means that Jesus is the living Word. We have a Savior that was not created, but is our Creator. We have a God who is, who is not powerless, but all-powerful. We don't have a God who is asleep at the wheel, but a God who is living and active. We have a God that, that did not just die on the cross, but is alive and intercedes on our behalf. He alone holds that power. So if we fully take this in, wouldn't that transform our prayer life? If we were to fully take this in, wouldn't that would change our preconceptions about God? If we were to fully take this in, wouldn't that give us ultimate hope to what we're going through? Do you trust in the fullness of Jesus and His power and might and His authority? Take great courage that Jesus does hold that power and authority. Well, we know we have that power. But also, I want to remind you where we have that power in the Word, but we also have power through the Word. Power through the Word of God. And as we discover this power of God's Word in our lives, I want to look at three practical truths that might help us. Uh, three truths that uh, is in our passage in Hebrews. So you're welcome to turn there if you'd like in Hebrews chapter 4. But the first truth is that the, the Word is living and active right from verse 12. So we can take great assurance that as we read God's Word, that it is not dead language, that God speaks to us as we read it, that, God, that God's Holy Spirit speaks to us as we dive into God's Word, for it is alive. When I was in college, I used to lead some high school canoe trips in the boundary waters in Minnesota. And uh, anyways, I, uh, I don't know if, if you've ever been to the boundary waters in Minnesota, you might have experienced a portage or what some people say in, in French, a portage. And uh, what, a, what a portage is, is when you pick up your canoe and your gear and everything that you've traversed, traversed around a, uh, a, to a point where the, the water ends and you've got to get to the next lake. Anyways, you pick up your stuff and you head over and go traverse across the land. Well, as I was leading these, these, this group, I was realizing as I came into the embankment that it was really, really muddy, and this was not going to be pretty. And so I, I um, you know, as the leader, I guess, guess who is the one who gets stuck in the mud? Yes. And so uh, I, uh, I went a little bit too far in and, and got stuck in the mud, almost, uh, almost up, you know, just past my knees and up to my thighs. 
And I actually had to have the whole group come over and kind of position me out and get me out of the mud. And uh, that was truly an experience. But the reason I share that story is I think that sometimes in life we get stuck in the mud of life. We get stuck in the mud of life not knowing where to turn or what to do. Not knowing why. And I believe that's why God's Word is so crucial for us. And because it is the place that we can turn when we need encouragement. It's the place we can turn when we're angry. It's the place we can turn when we're making decisions. It's the place we can turn each day through our joys and through our struggles because God's Word is living and active and meets us where we're at. The popular passage in 2 Timothy uh, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This passage is saying that God's Word is useful. It equips us for those very works. For God's Word is dynamic. It interacts with us as we wrestle with decisions or pain. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. He reveals more of who Jesus is and at that moment... And as we know and understand God's Word, the Bible reveals more of who God is and His promises. Chuck Swindoll said that news articles may inform us. Novels may inspire us. Even poetry may enrapture us. But only the living, active Word of God can transform us. If you are stuck in the mud of life, go to God's Word. It is living and active. God's Word wants to enter into your lives. God wants to change you and transform you more into the likeness of Jesus. Our second truth is that when when God's God's words penetrate deep into our lives, Hebrews 4, verse 12 says, The word is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. The truth reminds us that uh, the word has the power to cut to the heart, that the word pierces us deeply. I find it interesting that um, there are certain countries that, that have certain security questions to ask you, um, and important questions to ask you. And, and so uh, if uh, some are spoken, some are written out, um, but uh, in our country we probably don't, ha- I know we don't have these. But they ask you certain questions like, uh, do you have a, a gun? Um, yeah, that would be a bad idea. Uh, do, you have a, do you have a weapon? Do you have a knife or anything like that? Uh, no. But in certain countries, they may ask you, do you have any Bibles? Kind of an interesting question to ask. But they understand that the Word of God is a security issue. 
It is sharp. And just like a weapon, it can cut to the heart. But they reject it. Jesus wants to go deeper into our heart. As we look and invest ourselves into the world, into the word, he cuts to the heart. He doesn't want a, a surfacy relationship with him. He wants the real deal. And no matter where you're at, know that no soul is too dark, no heart is too tough. For the word of God can pierce your heart and transform us. Jesus wants to reside deep within us, to come to him with our issues and with our problems. And the whole reason is that because Jesus loves you and he wants to further that relationship with you. That is why God's word is important. Psalm 119 verse 11 uh, says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. My prayer is that you would hide God's word in your heart, that you would meditate on God's word, that you would go to God's word each day, and that you would find a living and loving relationship with the Lord, as he tells us in Scripture. But it cuts to the heart. Our third truth is that God's word reveals all things. It says in verse 13, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing is hidden from God's sight. I remember as a, as a kid, I had a brother and, and a couple of sisters. And uh, sometimes I, I just had to get away. And this is when I was really young. And so to get away, I'd, I, I, I just remember doing this once, but I hid in my closet thinking, oh, no one can find me. I can, be, I can have my thoughts and, uh, and uh, just have my space. Kind of silly but I think we also do this also as adults, don't we? You know, as we, uh, as we sin, we think, and that sin is not revealed before others, we think, well, no one sees that. It's hidden. Or even our thoughts and attitudes, as it says here in the Scripture. Maybe we don't even follow through with our sin. God still knows our intentions and still knows our thoughts. It's frightening to think that God then judges our attitudes and that nothing is hidden from His sight. That is also a good thing. I want to read one last passage here of Psalm 139. One of my favorite passages in Scripture because it... it, it really communicates God's sovereignty and His omniscience in our life. Verse 11 and 12, it says, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. It's a beautiful thing that God knows everything about you. And the power we have in God's Word is that when we read it, we also understand where we've fallen short. We understand we are helpless without Him. And we reveal, when we read God's Word, we reveal our sin. It reveals our, our thoughts and our actions, our motives. 
But uh, unfortunately, sometimes we avoid reading God's Word because we know what it will say. But God's Word does reveal our thoughts and attitudes because it reveals that to show and reveal how we have fallen short, but also that we're in need of a Savior and we're in need of His grace. So this morning, the question is, where are you at? Do you know the power in the Word, the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and a living and loving relationship with Him? But do you also know the power through the Word as we looked at the, the three truths? Are you investing yourself in the Word? Are you, are you getting the Word each day? Seeing what it says to you. Are you in a, a life group that gets in the Word as well? Are you in a, a, a women's ministry group or the Iron Men's ministry group where they invest themselves in the Word of God? Are you allowing yourselves to be transformed by the living Word of God? Wherever you're at, may you know the power you have in the Word. And may you know the power through the Word. I just want to conclude this morning with a, a prayer. A prayer for you. I don't know where you're at, what you're dealing with, what your needs are today. But I want to pray a, a prayer that Paul... The Apostle Paul prayed to the, the church in Ephesus. It's from Ephesians chapter 1. I want to pray that for you today. Why don't you bow your heads? Lord, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Amen.